Well, we are happy to be here. We, uh, uh, we, we appreciate the, the invitation to come. We just hope that all our time together, our efforts together, have been beneficial as we have studied and, and worshiped together. And anytime you, you worship God, anytime you study the Bible, you, you're going to be helped if you just open your ears just a little bit and at least let some of it come in or let it all come in. We're going to be benefited and blessed. Okay, <clears throat> one disadvantage, uh, the, the, the computer's up there, so I can't see it, so i got to kind of check what's happening back here. Anyway, the, the, well, one time this was funny. I was up in, uh, preaching up in Cincinnati area, and, and uh, anyway, good thing I went the, the day before, that Saturday evening before the meeting started on Sunday morning, because they had, they had a monitor. I mean, I, it, it was about the size of a tablet. And I'm supposed to be looking at the tablet to see what's going on. And, ooh, that was like micro print. I mean, I think I would need a magnifying glass, not just glasses, like magnifying glass to see it. And so wound up just setting the computer up where I could see what was going on there. But anyway, that was funny. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I want to begin our study here this morning with a few illustrations. First off, there was a fellow about a year or so ago, he was talking about, he went out to his car and, uh, well, let's see, I've got one. He got his keys out and it had the remote uh, sensor there and, and he pushed the button and it's like, whoa, it's car not unlocking. He's like, well, what the problem is? So he did the old-fashioned way and he just unlocked it. Well, then he turned the key on and the gas gauge said empty and he thought, boy, I thought I just got gas the other day. And then he tried to start it, and the car didn't start. Well, then he had a problem, so he towed it into the dealer. It's one of the new ones. And the problem was the BCM. Well, what's a BCM? Well, a BCM is the basic control module. Most of the new cars today, they are run by computers. Computers just runs all kinds of things in the automobiles. And, and the BCM had gone bad. Now, he could have, you know, he could have pulled out his keychain and, and the remote sensor, and he could have cracked it open and changed the battery, but that would have just been treating the symptom. He could have went and got some gas out of the shed and, and poured a, a can of gas in his car, but that would have just been treating the symptom. Because the fundamental problem was the basic control module. You see, he could have treated the symptoms by, by dealing with those other things, but it wouldn't deal with the basic problem of why the car had all these quirks and problems and wasn't running. It was the BCM. You could illustrate it building a house, building some building. You could build a garage, you could build a, a church building, you could build a house. And if you know anything about building, is that, well, you got to start out that the building needs to be square. And the building needs to be level, needs to be plumb as you start out. Because if it starts out not in square, if it starts out that it's out of level, well, then it's like you're going to have problems with the wall, you're going to have problems with the roof and everything matching up and, and fixing together. Why? Well, because you started out fundamentally wrong by not making the foundation square and plumb. You could have the same uh, illustration in the human body. The pituitary gland is kind of a little pea-sized gland. It's kind of in the base of your brain. And it's sort of the master gland. It controls the thyroid. The thyroid is sort of the throttle of the human body. That's why when people have sometimes hyperthyroidism, they're like 
running full speed all the time, or hypo, that is when it's real low and you're real sluggish, so it's kind of the, the throttle of the body. But the, but the pituitary, pituitary, pituitary gland, it controls the thyroid gland, the adrenal gland, the ovaries, the testes, the mammary glands. And you could be dealing with problems that are just symptoms, but really the basic problem may be the pituitary gland. You see, the same thing happens spiritually, that we can be looking at various spiritual symptoms in our lives. Maybe we're not studying like we should of the Word. Maybe we're having problems with honesty and integrity. Maybe we have some doctrinal or moral compromise that we're sort of uh, wrestling in our mind. Maybe we're haphazard about our worship, our assembly together. Maybe we're having problem with pride or using foul language. These really could just be symptoms of a more basic problem, and that is how we view God. What is our relationship? What is our understanding, our, our concept about God? You see, if you want to talk about the, the imagery of the automobile, the BCM, the basic control module, the basic control module for a Christian is how we view our Maker, how we view our Savior, how we, how we, how we think and how we understand and believe and see God in our heart. Now, we can work on symptoms of various problems, but... If you don't deal with the underlying problem, well, you don't really solve the problem ultimately. And so that's our study. Spiritually is, what do we think about God? And we're just going to look at some basic passages that talks about how we ought to view God, how we ought to look at God, how uh, what is our understanding about God. And we're just going to look at uh, about a dozen passages here to introduce our study. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and number 6, It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That is that God exists. We've got to believe that God exists. We cannot see him with our eyes. It's not like, well, you get a telescope and and it's like, well, a few years ago, uh, there was a fellow that had a, we had an outing. At somebody's house, it was in the evening, it was in the summertime. And uh, anyway, uh, they had a telescope and they had got it on Saturn. And they let me look in that telescope and you could actually see those rings around Saturn. I thought that was so cool. You know, I'd always seen pictures and now I've seen Saturn through a telescope and could see the rings around Saturn. I thought that was, that was so neat. Well, you can't get a telescope and say, yeah, oh yeah, whoa, whoa, come in. There's God, yeah, we can see him. It doesn't happen that way. We have to see by faith. The evidence is overwhelming to believe in God, to believe in the Maker. And that's what the Hebrew says. We have to have faith that He is and that He's the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. We have to have that tremendous eye of faith. Focus on God. And you can see Him just as clear as a bell because the evidence is overwhelming. Tremendous evidence. I mean, just look around. Creation itself testifies to the Creator. It's like this little pulpit stand. I don't think that there was a tornado that come through some of the woods of Kentucky and tore down an oak tree and lo and behold, look at there, a little pulpit stand come from that. You look at it, it shows design, it shows symmetry, it shows that some intelligent being made this pulpit stand. I didn't see the person that made this. But I am 100% certain and sure that there was a human being that made this pulpit stand. 
I believe that, fully believe that with, without a doubt in my mind. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the way it is when we have a correct ideal about God is that we can see Him, we can see Him clearly, that He is the Creator, that He's the Almighty, that He created the worlds, the heavens declared the glory of God, the firmament showed His handiwork, that we look at creation and we can be without one, uh, one shadow of a doubt that there is a Creator. And that's what the writer says. Then notice in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, look down in verse 1. Paul says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness, listen, in the fear of God. One translation says, in the reverence of God. Do we have reverence? Reverence, I like that word. It, It carries the idea of great respect and awe. Do we stand with great respect and awe of God? You know, we were talking about last night about lowliness. That is, we see our littleness. When we see the greatness and the vastness of our Maker, our Creator, we stand in reverence. And, of course, that makes us look pretty little when we stand next to God, when we put ourselves next to God in our mind. That's why we should always walk lowly. But do we have great fear? Do we have great reverence for God? And then look at another text in the book of Ecclesiastes. In the book of Ecclesiastes, as uh, Solomon brings the conclusion, we touched on verse 14 in the class in particular, but I want to notice the conclusion that Paul brings, or excuse me, that Solomon brings. Solomon, he was on a quest. Well, what is life all about? Well, what should we be seeking in life? What, what should, should it be music? And so Solomon, he sought after music and singers. I mean, he didn't have this fancy electronic stuff. He had the live entertainment come uh, to be with him. And he built houses. You know, there are all kinds of houses. Sometimes people like log cabin houses. You know, fieldstone houses. Houses by the seas. Houses in the mountains, etc. Well, Solomon, he experienced all them. And he ultimately realized if that's what life's all about, it's ultimately vain and vanity. And he experienced all kinds of things, education and wine, women, and song. And ultimately, he recognized in the, record, uh, the resounding chorus of the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. If you leave God out of the picture. And so he says in verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. You can't fear God unless you believe in God. How can you respect God if you don't believe in him? We see Him by the eyes of faith. We can't see Him with our physical eyes. We can't hear Him with our physical ears. But we can believe in God. We can see God. Or we can hear God in our mind and in our spirit as we look at the overwhelming evidence. Fear God and keep His commandments for this is the whole. If you notice in King James, this is the whole duty. It is our duty. It is the whole. It is the totality of what we are as human beings, people made in the image of God, that to find ultimate fulfillment is to have a relationship with the Creator and to fear and respect Him and to stand in reverence in all of the Almighty. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 1. Notice there in Proverbs, chapter 1. Notice number 7. The writer says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It all has to begin with a belief in God, to fear and respect Him. And when we have and respect, uh, fear and respect Him, well, then we begin to really gain knowledge, 
Knowledge about living. Knowledge about what life's all about. Really, the knowledge of how to be satisfied. How to be made fulfilled and be complete. And not live life as life is just empty and vain. See, that's the problem, people that live without God. Life is empty. Oh, they, you know, people, they try to make like, uh, you know, they're having a how time in sin. And sin has its pleasures. But it's kind of like going to King's Island. You get on the beach and boy, you ride that roller coaster. Oh, that was great. And in a few minutes, it sort of wears out. Oh, let's do it again. Let's do something else. We've got to look for another thrill. And that's the way life is. When you leave God out of the picture, it's like, well, you got to go from one thrill to another thrill to another thrill to find satisfaction and then ultimately you're not satisfied. It's like, boy, I am dying of thirst. And you get your big glass of salt water and boy, you guzzle it down. Boy, that wets the whistle. But then you're just even more thirsty. It doesn't satisfy. Until we come to God, until we come to the Creator and understand that God is our Maker and to appreciate and to stand in awe of the Almighty, our life will be empty. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, notice what Paul says there in number 9. He says, Wherefore we labor, other translation says, we therefore have, uh, have as our aim, our ambition. Paul, what's your ambition in life? That whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. That was Paul's ambition in life. To be accepted of the Creator. To have a relationship, to sustain a relationship with the Maker. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the basic control module spiritually is that we want to have this relationship with our Maker, our Creator. As Paul describes in that text. Then drop on down, number 14 and 15. For the love of Christ constrains us or compels us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all. That they which uh, live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Life is not about me. It's not about what I want and what I desire. Really, the ultimate goal in life is what, what was pleasing to God. You get that, you get that lined out, that basic control module in life. And then you fit in all the other things, work and family and kids and grandkids and vacations and, and, uh, uh, hunting and fishing or shopping. All that fits into life. But it won't fit in until we get the very basic thing squared away. And that is a relationship with God. And then notice there in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 22. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus has these series of questions here. He has this encounter with the Sadducees. Well, the Pharisees, they try their hand. And they come with a a lawyer to ask a question. Verse 36, Master, what is the great commandment of the law? And Jesus says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And with all thy soul, and with all thy man, or with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The first and great commandment is to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, all our body, etc. That we see God, we appreciate Him, we love Him, we want to serve Him, we want to be right with Him, we want to serve our Maker. It is what will satisfy the inward man. You can't satisfy the inward man with outward things. 
You can eat all the best foods. It doesn't, it doesn't satisfy the soul. You can go all the neat places on vacation. I've been to a lot of the national parks. There are special places in our country. To see Yosemite Falls, to see the Grand Canyon, to see Niagara Falls, to see some of the wonderful sights in the world, but it doesn't satisfy the soul. Unless you see the creative work of God, then you have a great appreciation when you look at God's handiwork. To see the giants acquire, to see a tree that is from here to the to the wall over there in width. I mean, it's incredible. The the size of the sequoias. And all that is evidence if we can see it, that is, we see God, and that we understand the Creator. That ultimately is what's all about. That is the basic control module spiritually is to love God and to believe and trust in Him. Notice in the book of Matthew, chapter twenty eight. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gives what we call the Great Commission. And he says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. A disciple is a learner, a student. That's the fundamental definition of disciple. And then secondarily, to follow what we learn. It's like, you know, the information we learn from the Bible, it has practical application. I mean, we could say the longest book of the Bible is the book of Psalms. The shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty eight. Thirty nine books in the Old Testament, twenty seven books in the New Testament. Well, those are interesting facts and, and can be useful, but really doesn't it doesn't affect us how we live, how we behave, how we act, what our attitudes are. Those are just facts. It's like a lot of those facts on Jeopardy. Well, I, I don't know how these people learn so many facts and all these, you know, give all these answers or, or in the form of a question to all those answers on Jeopardy. Well, a lot of that information is kind of interesting, kind of neat, but how does it affect everyday life? Doesn't doesn't really affect. But when we understand and become a student of Jesus Christ, we become a, stu- a student of God. The teachings of God, it has its practical implications of how we live, how we act, how we think. What we believe, what's our goals, it changes our priorities, it changes our attitudes. And we are to be disciples of God, we are to be disciples of Jesus Christ, which means that we have to believe and trust in Him and His Word. And then look in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is trying to reason with the Corinthians. The Corinthians were pretty well-to-do congregation. They were very prosperous people. And there were other Gentile churches, like in some of the churches of Macedonia, that, well, they didn't have a lot of money, but they were giving. And Paul's using them as an example to the Corinthians who could really make a, you know, the, the, the actual numerical uh, dollar amount to help the poor saints in Jerusalem. And so Paul's using the, the example of the Macedonians. And notice how he reasons. He says, moreover, brethren, we want you to know the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. How then in a great trial of affliction and abundance of their joy and the deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality, their generosity. For to their power I bear them record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. You see, being poor is kind of, kind of a relative thing. It's kind of like when there was a great tragedy of the uh, tsunami waves or, or the typhoon over in the Philippines. There were brethren in Ecuador that actually sent funds to help them. I mean, Ecuador is not, you know, it's not a first world country, but they did what they could. 
in helping relieve some of the needs over there related to the, the super typhoon that they had. And that's what Paul's saying about the Macedonians. But then he goes on to say, praying us, uh, as he describes their, 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 their willingness and their, uh, their disposition, they were praying us, they were begging us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon them the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. That is, the poor saints in Jerusalem that were in abject poverty couldn't get, couldn't keep enough food on the table. I mean, that's the kind of poverty we're talking about then with the poor saints. And here is the key. Verse 5. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You see the key there? They gave themselves to the Lord. You know, when you give yourself to the Lord, giving you money, that's just secondary. Once you give yourself. Once you give yourself 100%, giving your money, open your pocketbook, that's, that's no problem. You see, contribution's not, not an issue once you give yourself your money's just part of it. It's part of the part of the whole package. And so you just give liberally and generously to the work of the Lord. And that's what Paul said about the Macedonians there in Second Corinthians chapter eight. They showed great generosity. Why? Because they gave themselves to God, because they fully believed in God. They had great reverence and respect. They loved God with all their heart. And that's what we've got to have is that basic control module. And then notice there in the book of First Corinthians chapter six. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, notice there in number 19 and 20, Paul says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. When we understand that when we become Christians, we are purchased, we are bought totality. 100% we are bought by the blood of Christ. We give ourselves wholly to the Lord because we love Him, we trust in Him, we fear Him, and we give ourselves to the glory of God. Paul says similar in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, number 31. When he's talking about the matter of personal uh, choices here, and to sometimes give up personal choices for the good of others, as he talks about in the context of chapters 8, 9, and 10, he says there in verse 31, whether therefore you eat or drink whatsoever and or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's the mindset of the Christian. The choices that we make, the decisions that we make, is to do to the glory of God. In the book of Galatians chapter 1, notice there in number 10. In Galatians 1 and in verse 10 there, Paul says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Yeah, we try to please men when we can, to accommodate folks. Paul deals with that, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You become all things to all men that you might gain some. But our ultimate goal is to please God. Because we trust in Him, we reverence Him, we love Him, we have committed our all to Him, and we want to please Him. That is the basic control module of a Christian, of a servant of God. And then one final text. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Paul says, Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates or be rejected. Examine yourself. The title of our theme for this weekend is 
looking within. When it comes to attitudes, we have to look within. When it comes to this basic control module of loving God, respecting God, reverencing God, having fear for God, giving our whole heart to God, I can't look in your heart to see whether you've done that or not. You can't look into my heart and say, well, did McKibben, he give his whole heart to the Lord? Does he love God with all his heart? Well, I have to look within myself. You have to look within yourself. We all have to give a, 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 a self-examination. Then let me just conclude our study with just a series of questions. Do I reverence the Almighty? I mean, do I have just tremendous respect, the utmost respect for God? Does just stand in awe of Him? That He is the Almighty? That He is the Creator? That He's the one that made heaven and earth? I've got to ask them a question. Well, when I look at these verses, do these re- verses reflect the, 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 the choices I make in my life? In my heart, the decisions I made in my heart, did I give myself wholly to the Lord? Am I trying to please God first and foremost? Do I love God with all my heart? Do I fear Him? Do I have absolute confidence and believe in Him and that He's going to reward me? Do I seek to please God or am I trying to please men? You see, what, what, what is my ultimate goal? You know, sometimes we try to please, you know, we try to please our kids, we try to please our, our grandkids, we try to please our spouse, we try to please our parents, we try to please the others, teachers, etc. But ultimately, number one, am I trying to please God? And if you took a core sample, what would you find? You know, sometimes they take core samples. Sometimes they, gas stations, they have, <clears throat> maybe gas tanks leak. And they, they take these pipes and they, they drive these pipes down the ground. And then they go through and they examine to see if, if gasoline leaked out into the ground as they're taking a core sample. Sometimes in glaciers, you know, they, they, they drive these pipes down, in, down into, the, uh, into the glacier and they pull it out and they, and they, slide, and they examine and they're doing a core sample uh, of a glacier. Well, if you took a core sample, what would you find? I mean, is Christianity just superficial? Is it just something that, well, you know, we, we told our Bible, you know, we, we put it under our arms and we, and we walk in. And, oh, how are you doing, sister? Oh, how are you doing, brother? And we sat down and we go home and, and that's about all that affects us when it comes to Christianity. Is it just superficial? Or is it, if you took a core sample, you would find the love of God, the love of God, the love of God. As you, you just dig down deep into the heart of an individual, is that what we find within ourselves? If you took a core sample? And do I love God with all? Underscore the word all. Do I love God with all my mind, all my soul, all my heart, and all my strength? It's a self-inventory thing. We have to look within ourselves. What, 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 what is my goal in life? What, what am I, what, what's my life all about? Do, is my life all about a career? Is my life all about making money? Is my life all about a family? All those things have its place, but what is my ultimate goal? Do I love God with all my heart? Am I guided by what makes me happy, or am I thinking first and foremost, first off, am I trying to make God happy? Am I trying to please God and make Him happy and to glorify Him? Yeah, there'll be things that make me happy, but the first question is, am I making God happy? Am I thinking about Him in the choices and decisions that I make? Am I trying to make the Lord happy? And what burns within my heart? You know, there in Luke chapter 24, after the resurrection of Jesus, there were a couple of disciples that were talking with Jesus. And they didn't recognize him. And I don't know why that is, if there was just some sort of, it was uh, miraculous or something. But it's like, well, they were talking with him. But they didn't really 
catch or understand that it was the resurrected Lord. But then later on, when they come to realize that that was Jesus, and they said, do you remember when we were talking with him? Did not our hearts burn within us? Do we have that burning desire for God? We have a burning desire to please God and trust Him? And that He is our friend, that we're leaning upon Him? Does my worship reflect the, what these verses teach? Am I trying to give God my best? Am I trying to give God glory and honor? Am I thinking about, well, I wonder what I'm going to eat today for lunch? You know, well, I wonder who's going to win the ball game this afternoon. Well, I wonder what's going to happen at work tomorrow. And we're, we're thinking about everything else under the sun except trying to focus on giving worship, honor, praise. Worship is something that we give. We're giving God praise. We're giving the sacrifice of praise to the Almighty. What controls my, deci- my decisions in life? What, what, what makes me decide uh, the things that I decide upon that I'm going to do? And if I'm going to go on vacation, well, am I going to have a place to worship? Or, well, I'll just take a vacation from God and worshiping Him. And then finally, do I look at religion, Christianity, as just some sort of necessary inconvenience? It's kind of like getting your teeth clean. It's like, well, what a, what a nuisance. But we think, well, you know, I need to do it. So if you have good sense, you do it because it's preventive care and, and because you want your teeth and, and to have healthy teeth, etc., because they're mighty important in chewing up food, chewing up food and stuff. Or do we look at Christianity as some sort of, you know, some sort of uh, necessary inconvenience? Sort of like, well, you buy house insurance. You, you, well, I've lived at this house for 28 and a half years. Well, why do I need to buy house insurance? Not had any fires. The house is still standing. Why, why, why do I need to waste, you know, uh, five or $600 a year or whatever you're paying for insurance? Well, you think, Why? Ah, you go ahead and pay it because it's kind of a necessary evil, we think. Is that, is, that, is that all we look at Christianity? It's just some sort of necessary evil? We're afraid to be lost in hell? And we just want some sort of spiritual fire insurance? Well, we don't want to be lost in hell, but we're not really focused on trying to get to heaven. Yeah, Christianity will rescue us, you know, being saved... Saved means to be rescued. Salvation is the process of being rescued. Rescued from what? Rescued from our sins and condemnation and destruction, eternal damnation. Yeah, that is involved in the process. It is a part. The fear of the Lord compels us to do what's right. But what about want to get to heaven? What about trying to please God? Ain't God bent over backwards to help us? I remember one time. <clears throat> Several years ago, we had we had a lot of snow, and I was I was going to try to run over to the to the church building where my study was. And anyway, I was going in the snow. I was doing pretty good while somebody stops in front of me. I think, boy, oh boy, they're stuck. I thought, well, I guess I'm going to just try to turn around. Well, while I try to turn around, I got one wheel just off over in the ditch. Well, now I was stuck. And I thought, well, what am I going to do? Unfortunately, a guy named Wayne Todd come along, and he had a pickup truck, and he had a chain. He says, it looks like you're stuck. You need, a, you need a pull? I said, boy, I sure do. And that's probably been over 20 years ago, and I still think about that because I was in a predicament, and this guy stopped to help me. I mean, here we are. We are in such a predicament because of our sins and our transgressions, and God stepped in and bent over backwards to help us because Jesus came and died on the cross. 
And do I appreciate that, that not only to help me out of a predicament, but also to offer me something, something tremendously great and wonderful, a relationship with God, and ultimately eternal relationship with God. Well, as we saw in the passage there in 2 Corinthians, the real key of being a Christian, being happy as a Christian, is just give your heart to the Lord. Total, totally, 100%, not not 90%, not 75%, not, not 60%. And you think, well, as long as we get over 50%, we're going to be okay. No, 100%. We're going to devote our heart and our life to Jesus Christ and to His will. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, you've not devoted your heart and life to Jesus, you can. Those are the steps of salvation. These are the steps. That's all included in these five steps. Is this idea of giving my heart, giving my all, because I fear, I respect, I reverence God. I don't want to be lost. I want to be saved. I want to have a relationship with God. I want to be a better person. Yeah, it's all summed up in God's scheme of redemption. And then we're to be faithful unto death. And then if we do err, we'll come back to repentance and prayer. We're going to sing this song. If there's one here, even this morning. I don't know your heart. I can't read. I'm not a mind reader. But you can look within your own heart and say, well, am I right with God or am I not? And if you're not right with God and you want to get your life right with God, you've got a wonderful opportunity. Why? Well, because the world's standing. Number two, you're living. And if we could help or assist you in any way, you come and let us know why together as we stand and as we sing.